One, two, ten. Welcome to the Claimant Throne Podcast. Coming on you with infos on writing, recording, and marketing your metal album in 2013. Hey, who is it? It's Kiba. And it's Ish. And you're back with the Blodgecast. Thanks for tuning in. We're up to episode nine of the Blodgecast. How are you doing today, Ish? Episode nine. Drink a red wine. Yeah, I'm doing really good now. I had one of the worst days, but really? feel great at the Ocean's Edge with yeah, a little new, bit of a new location for us tonight. Jesse's uh, sister's house in North Beach overlooking the ocean and the sunset. So we're top of the world and we have a couple of cold ones too. So keen for a good Ice podge. Cold. Man, I'm ready for a good podge and I'm ready for this. Ting, ting, ting. You know what I haven't said yet? A funny quote. So uh, you're back here on the Blodgecast where we set the table with our failures so that you can feast on success. That deserves a drink. Stole it from someone, but I'm definitely having a drink. Claim the throne. News and gitch. News and Gidge this week uh, is very related. We have um, a couple of Gidges coming up, which seems to be our news every week. But um, the next show is 20th of December in Perth, which is a Perth Metal Christmas party. By the time that this podge comes out, we would have announced a whole lot of prizes and giveaways um, that are happening on the night. I've actually been at the shops today purchasing a lot of weird Christmas stuff. So there'll be some theatrical parts of the night. Um, and there's all sorts of CDs and uh, shirts and merch and chocolates and lolly bags and crazy stuff as giveaways for pretty much every person that goes to the gig so come along to that one amplifier bar on the 20th also with red descending silent night and suffer in rot 666 it's going to be a good one and uh we've also today which is thursday announced um all of the lineups um for the upcoming tour with balacor in january across the nation which is australia so some awesome bands that will be playing all of those shows did we get Mournful Congregation Nah, that would have been nice. All the Adelaide bands we asked said no. I think they must um, not like us, probably. Seminal? But we did... Uh, no, 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 no. But we did get Truth Croated pretty good. And nice. a couple others, actually, I hadn't heard of before. So we'll definitely be checking them out. Some other names worth mentioning, I think, might be Orpheus Amiga, mm. Virion in Brisbane, and who else? Oh, we're playing that Sydney show, which is a festival under the Southern Cross. That's got Levitation Hex, which is ex-Alchemist, Dreadnought, and some um, yeah, some pretty awesome lineups there. So just head out to our Facebook and you'll see all the lineups, which is our latest post, facebook.com slash claim the throne. It's all there. And um, yeah, go to the event pages. There's separate ones for every one of the shows. Be a nerd, get involved, and then get out of town. Escorts. What news have we got? That is the news. That is the news. We have also been nominated, Climb the Thorn, the new album, um, Forged in Flame, as one of the top albums of the year with Kill Your Stereo, which is a website. They have, um, yeah, top albums of 2013. Um, so, would love to get your vote if you want to head over to their website, which you can find a link from our uh, Facebook as well. And, of course, um, a lot of websites are opening up their best of albums for the year and people are doing lots of lists and stuff. So, keep us in mind, unless you hate our album, in which case you definitely don't have to include it. But, um, but yeah, we would really appreciate and, um, yeah, be proud to see our name pop up a few times. That would be pretty cool. I'll vote for you, Ash. Yeah, I'll vote for you. Do you reckon this Blodgecast could get in the top albums of the year? No, it should do. We should do a best of. I guess another bit of news is... um. 
we were just discussing potential time off over Christmas. Oh, that is a bit of a news and gidge. I'm thinking we're probably going to take two weeks off over probably the last week of December, first week of January, and that will um, be for me and Ash, me and Ish still to meet up. Um, but yeah, we'll be setting out um, an, a plan for next year. Um, including, you know, organising some interviews and things like that. So we'll be all structured up and ready to get cranking throughout the next year. So this has been a good probably experiment for us really over the last couple of months. But yeah, I reckon with a couple of weeks for us just to focus on awesome jingles for the show and um, yeah, teeing up some interviews it can be much better next year. I'll tell you, without actually doing a sedge on podcasting, we found it pretty challenging just to do this every week. And we've only done it for five weeks straight, I think. Probably, yeah. Each week that we do it now, we don't really have a chance to update the format or to do too many new funny jingles or whatever the hell we're doing because, yeah, we're more intent on just getting the content down and writing our blogs and editing and just getting it online. So, a couple of weeks off will probably do us well to get our shit together, make it a bit easier for us to do it each week, I would say. And um, gives you figs a bit more time to record some questions for us on claimthethrone.net so yeah. that when we come back for episode one of the new year, yeah, we'll have tons of funny recordings from you folk out there. I don't think we're going to get too many questions apart from Giuseppe and Ben Papa Squiddy. That's all right. All those people will rock my world. Until we start doing interviews. That's probably true. Because I think the power of questioning is questioning someone you give a shit about. And it's hard to care about Ash and Cabo when you've got to deal with Cuba and Ish. Totally. So if you have any suggestions of who you'd like us to interview as well, swend, send slash swing, swing them through. Yes, you can get in touch with us at info at claimthethrone.com or our website or social medias or wherever. Um, and it'll mainly be interviews about the things we talk about, which is, you know, DIY musician sort of stuff. So we're not going to interview bands about what they've got coming up on the horizon. It would more be about how did they get started and how do they handle certain band management duties and recording and, and all sorts of cool stuff like that. And if they do have something coming up in the horizon, more a focus on how they're going about it. Uh, the music industry is pretty dynamic. It's constantly changing. So it's always interesting to hear other people's approaches to that. Totally. And that um, sunset is looking good out oh, there. Man, I can't stop staring at it. It almost is telling me that it's time for crabs. The Australian coast is about to be invaded. It's time for crabs, naked and vulnerable, on a mission. Crab Sedge Today, episode one of the Sedge of today's podge. Part one. Part one. Part one of the Sedge. I am Kiba, and this week we're going to be talking a little bit about exposing your band and not even taking your jocks off. I'm talking today about getting your music on radio and getting your music reviewed. Um, so, have you got a new album out? Chances are that means you want people to hear it. Congratulations. Congratulations. You've got an album out. And um, yeah, the the one of the the one of the best ways to to get people to hear it is like it or not, uh, you are gonna need media to help you, and I think radio play and reviews are two of the best ways um, for people to hear your songs. So you can start off by putting aside a certain amount that you want to send out. Um, you can often send physical copies or also online downloads. And I would definitely recommend using online stuff when you can because it's going to save you a lot of money and a lot of time going to the post office. And um, unless you have a pretty hot chick working at your post office, in which case go down there a lot and um, make yourself look like an awesome musician and she'll be 
probably gagging for it, watching you send stuff to people every day. Otherwise, if you're not as rich as others, I would suggest online downloads and um, it's becoming more and more acceptable to, to do that. You might want to allocate, say, 50 CDs to send out to places. You might only order 500 copies of the album Fear Band as it is to sell and stuff, but you definitely need to allocate a certain amount for promo material. So 50 CDs does sound like a lot of money, but it's definitely a great investment. So as long as you plan it out correctly, you probably want to start um, with with a real targeted audience, plan it out with the launch of your album as well. So for example, if we use Forged in Film as a case study, when we had that released this year, we just chose one song off that which was Thefereth. Uh, yeah, that was the pure song used before the album release. So we had um, a launch with, I think Andrew Hogue Radio was the one who used a few of the songs, not with Zephyrus, but with uh, a couple other tracks where, you know, you have certain radio stations which are the only ones to play certain songs so that people tune in for them. Great for them and also great for you because that place will pimp you out. So that's just a bit of a build-up for when the album's actually released. People will head to your website and everything before then. It's the same with the reviews as well. So we sent a few out to just some select places, uh, some websites online who put reviews out before the album was released as well. And so that's going to help you with pre-orders. Once your album has been launched, then you can amp it up a little bit, but I'd still, you know, sort of keep it keep it fairly targeted. Um, I mean, our, our latest album has been out for three or four months now, and we still haven't really been sending it overseas. We've really focused on the Australian market, just a few select places overseas as well. So certain countries, you know, one in, in each country and that sort of thing. So we'll, we'll go through now how, uh, how the best way of going Going about it is so firstly if we stick with radio you definitely want to do a little bit of research to find out the most relevant radio shows um, so for example with us if we're focusing just on the Australian market and just on the metal scene then that's a good place to start and good jewel you can just chuck in there you know metal radio Australia and you definitely find some hidden gems of radio stations that you didn't even know existed, I bet. There are a lot of good ones out there. Um, and then all you really need to do is, hopefully they've got a website, you can find some details on how to submit your songs. If not, uh, you can definitely call the radio station, send an email, anything like that, just to find out the best way to do it. So they might say, please send us a physical copy, which you can do. Or they might say, please Dropbox us your album. So just be wary of the different ways of sending through online downloads as well. So whether you want to use Dropbox, um, which is just a matter of sort of sharing a file of your album and, and details via the internet, um, they'll, they can upload it and everything straight through the, the shared folder or you can send them a link I think we've used WeTransfer in the past which is always really good too um, is that free? WeTransfer? WeTransfer is still free a, f cool. a lot of the other ones aren't uh, I can't it's remember what they're all called now but yeah you do generally have to pay a bit or you get like a free trial and it sucks WeTransfer is cool because it is free and I think it's pretty much unlimited size as well. You still want to zip your folder. But the catch is I think it your link only lasts for three or four weeks. So whoever you send it to has to download it quick enough uh, before it expires. Otherwise, they'll be back in touch with you saying, can you send it again? And if they've taken that long to download it, I would give them a big F off and not send it again, I'd say. You'll find most radio stations, or especially if they're local ones, maybe not the bigger ones like Triple J and 
or anything like that. But um, yeah, the the local shows, you know, most regional towns or not most regional towns, a lot of regional towns and most cities do have local metal shows, and they'll be really keen to support local bands, regardless of whether you're overly good or whether you're just beginning. But you do want to be wary of you know whether your music is up to scratch. You really don't want to sound crap on air to a whole lot of people. You also want to make sure you send through really high quality audio, pretty much album quality MP3s or WAVs and make sure it's going to sound wicked on air next to some of the more pro tracks that are on there as well that the radio announcer will talk about you and you'll certainly get some more exposure and people finding you online, people coming to your gigs and everything like that as well. Uh, Once you have been on the air, congratulations what the shows should do after that is generally email you with a playlist for the night so they might yeah send that through to if you have a record label they might send it to them or if you've included an email address then they'll send it through to you i would definitely recommend keeping them on file um, so save all of them you never know when they might come in handy whether it's just for yourself to know how much radio you play you've got over the year or whether you're approaching labels or promoters or going for grant applications or anything you want to have all of that available so that these professionals know where your music has been played where you've had exposure so keep hold of them it's all about being organized you also want to set up a little spreadsheet keep track of all the places that you have sent them to what places have played it, what places haven't, what seems to have had effect, what hasn't, so that you know for next time around when you have your next album, you've got this spreadsheet of full of information which is going to come in super handy. You'll know who's worthwhile sending to and who isn't. Who isn't? It's very similar with reviews, really, which we'll talk about next. But yeah, album reviews do play a huge role in establishing just how good your music really is. So you might think it's the best thing ever, but then you just all of a sudden start getting these shitty reviews. Don't be disheartened. Take it all as um, constructive criticism. We've had some seriously bad reviews, hey, Ash? There was that one. It was like a zero out of 10. We have had a zero out of 10, yeah. It's like a death metal website. We didn't even send it to them. I don't know why they bothered reviewing it. This is utter shit. Ripped us to shreds. Meanwhile, the guy who reviewed the album is in... uh, He's from Sweden and they're playing Brit-style rock on um, American Fender Telecasters. But anyway. (laughs) Listen to how bitter we are about it. But the thing is, I always say, don't get bitter, get better. So use these comments um, as as constructive criticism and, and build on them and, you know... You don't have to take them to heart if you disagree with what people say. Sweet. Slate. Using us for an example, not to toot my own horn, but we've started off by getting really bad reviews for our first album, a few less bad reviews for the next one, a few less again, and then for the latest album, we haven't got anything less than an 8 out of 10, I don't think. That is tooting your own horn. I'm just saying. Like that, you need to build up to something like that. Don't get, don't get disheartened because the better you get and the more you take on people's advice, then the more you're going to improve and you'll give people less reasons to, to mark you down. And before you know it, you've got a, a couple 10 out of 10s that you can use for your promo of the new album. And that's why it's good to get a few reviews out on the net and, you know, in street press, print magazines, YouTube videos or anything like that before the album comes out encourage people to pre-order it or just build some real hype and anticipation for the album um so for example for us just while i'm in the the zone of tooting my own horn the first review we got for the album was 10 out of 10 we didn't even pay for it didn't even know this person but that's for soundscape magazine in the uk and they actually asked for a copy so i I mailed them one just to clarify Mm. what do you mean didn't even pay for it I was just joking, like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. People yeah. might be like, I was like, have you paid for reviews? <laughs> no, or did never, you mean never paid for a review? I'm not sure if you can. Or even I thought do that. you meant I didn't pay the postage costs. Or just the people man. might read it and be like, oh, they must know this guy. Yeah, but we yeah, don't know okay. them. And it's actually a girl. 
She seemed very friendly. But she said, Forging Flame truly is a superb piece of work and is very much deserving of a perfect score. And we've used that a lot on um, gig promotion and album promotion so far. And it's pretty awesome. If you've got a whole list of things like that um, to, to promote your album, then it's definitely going to tell people that you are worthwhile to listen to. I should have put together some of the worst ones we've got to read out as well. I can think of stuff like Essentially, that. Essentially, there were... Just when I uh, thought Insufirum weren't gay enough, <laughs> here comes along this Australian <laughs> band who think they're from Sweden. There's no didgeridoos in this music. What the fuck are they doing? One out of ten. Or even um, Sleet's review of our album launch, like, Claim the Throne are knowing as a hard-drinking band. This time, you could tell the effects of the drink were oh. well <laughs> underway as soon as they hit the stage. Oh. Bass player James Parker wasn't even hitting the strings, <laughs> and Kiba was constantly dropping his guitar. He had a nice six-pack on the drums, <laughs> but was missing the snare every time. Thanks for that, Sleet. You didn't say that, but you know what we're getting at. Need to expect shit reviews and good reviews. Use the good ones as best you can to promote. Use the shit ones to get better. Don't get disheartened. Get heartened. <laughs> good good quote, Ash. I love it. On the topic of reviews as well, some places might be nice enough to hook you up with a full feature or an interview as well. Um, and they might be able to do that on their websites, blogs, magazines or anything like that. And um, yeah, if, if they do offer you something like that, take it. I think it's a really good opportunity if, if they give you a good review and then people get to read an interview so they understand your background as well plus a feature article and then you know a call to action as to where people can buy your stuff then that is a hell good deal and there's also no harm in asking places for that as well you might find that certain websites might even you know sponsor web your designs webzines how do you say it oh wow that's the first time i've ever heard that is web that not zines. a word i would have said webzine like a magazine but on yeah the web. webzine Webzine. Webzine. Magazine. Yeah, webzine. <laughs> it's webzine. Yeah. A lot of a lot of webzines will um will sponsor your show and that is just a matter, of, you know, it's good for both parties because you're gonna promote their name by advertising your gig and they're gonna promote you um by having a feature on their website and having links to you know, buy tickets or buy the album or whatever. So don't ever forget about that. Definitely don't feel bad to ask and if people offer it to you, take it up, I reckon. Unless you're Burzum, in which case you're probably not too keen on selling out. But whatever. Get out of town. It's not selling out. We only know things about people who haven't sold out because of the media and the internet and yeah. other people talking. It's the same shit. Totally. Grow up, you fucking beegs. <laughs> Don't you agree, but? Like, you've got to for say... artistic expression and, and, you know, you're just making music because you love it and you're passionate about it and that's what you want to do. But why would you not want other people to know about your music? I, I know there's a, you know... Fine line. Olva don't set up a show at a theatre in Sweden in the underground jazz circle and then not promote it and not say that they have tickets for sale. You know, do you know yeah, what I mean? That, like, it's not a secret. They show. don't just play house parties every week. That's probably a bad example because they actually do talk about their marketing and stuff like that. But but they're one of the bands that have topic. done this thing where they've they they've been on a label for so long and now they're going all DIY after that because. They've got exposure really through these labels and now they can afford to do that. But if you're a band starting out... That's what I mean. I don't, even, know, I don't even know what I'm getting at here. But. Yeah, neither do I. I kind of dragged <laughs> us off topic. The beers are hitting. But like your Burzum's thriving on reverse media. 
you know, like anti any news is good news, like burn a church, do whatever, do anything crazy. You don't even have to go that extreme. Just make the press somehow. It's almost like a ploy because then it seems organic, like you haven't gone to the effort. But really, you've gone to more effort than Kiba has just by sticking a CD in a, a short description of the band in an envelope and sending it away. That probably leads on to what to actually send as well. So, which will wrap it up. It's the same for reviews, same for radio play, uh, or just, you know, getting getting it out there to, to any professional people you think would love to hear it. If you're going to post it, then include a CD. Some places you can pretty much take it out of the jewel case to save a bit of postage costs and then you also want to have a cover letter which can just be a simple one sentence hi please find and close our latest album for consideration to play on your radio show we suggest tracks three and five and we have included a bio with more information on the band thank you for your time we are contactable on info at what's that grand destruction unfortunate flame is this what our i letter? say three and five yeah is that our yeah, letter grand destruction unfortunate flame yeah you would have noticed i said there included you've included a bio and that is very important um, so that when the, the radio announcer is talking about your band, they say the relevant things. They don't, you know, go and goodwill and find what you were doing five years ago. You're telling them what's relevant and they'll be able to, um, yeah, you know, pass that on to the people listening. Then you have your second option of sending a download. Um, and like I said before, you want to have full quality album audio you probably want to have one zipped folder that has all those songs has the album artwork has your bio has your upcoming gigs which by the way you can also include in the post any flyers so that they can pimp your shows um, but then you also want to include a quick cover note um, so whether you dropbox it or just be a little note saying hi as discussed we're sending you our album for consideration to play on your show thanks for your time if you're emailing it yeah just a, a little email please find attached this or please click this link to get your copy of the album thanks for giving us a chance etc a quick side note would probably be don't make your cover letter too much more complicated than it needs to be so you don't want hi there uh this is smithy from at the flames and uh we started this band on a whim one day i was taking a shit and uh as as the nostrils were started flaring i, I decided that the band should be called nostril city <laughs> Jimmy has flaming riffs. How about this? Your cover letter, write it in one sentence. If you put a full stop, then that is it. That is it. Bio, you can write a little bit more, but like Ish said, seriously, don't tell them how long you've been in the band and what your guitar strings sound like. They don't care. Neither do we. Yeah, so that's for radio. It's pretty much exactly the same as review. You just want to change the the wording a little bit. And it's good to have a little template of these things. And then you can just fill in the blanks when you find places that are keen to get it. Yeah, and it's good to speak to them before you send it so then they know to expect it. And there's no harm in following up as well, saying, sending an email, hey, just checking that you did get my CD in the mail. Would love to have a review on there soon. If not, that's okay. I'll mark it down in my spreadsheet and not send you a copy next time we have an album out. Bit of bitter sarcasm there, but that's the idea of that spreadsheet I was talking about earlier because we've um, kept track of it over the years and there's certain places I don't really bother with now. It's a waste of money. If they're not considerate enough to either A, do it or B, just let you know that they're not going to do it or we're interested in the next thing you do, this isn't for us, then you still are spending, what's a CD, anywhere from two to well, five I mean, bucks you could have sold copy. it for 15 bucks. Exactly. And the places that give you like zero out of tens and rip on you for irrelevant things you probably wouldn't send it to them again that being mm. said this website metal.de have you been to that one it's a german one it's a pretty awesome website really if you have a good translator in google they gave our first album like the worst score ever and then i sent some ale tales just out of curiosity to see if they'd do it again they gave us a bit of a better review 
then Triumph and Beyond a bit better again and they're all reviewed by the same person and every each time he's like oh, my my noteworthy Australian friends are back and they have improved and I'm very impressed and, and like so it's pretty cool because we've got this little thing going on with them now as, as to you know how we've been improving haven't sent him the new album yet but looking forward to it oh really might do it that is very interesting you should address it to this yeah old yeah mate. definitely yeah totally anyway good that's cool tell you what that's no more time for crabs it's like a bucket of smashed crabs when rehearsing with your band you want to make the most out of your time that means jamming as a group talking as a group writing as a group and learning as a group don't waste everyone's time by smashing your drums when people are talking or showing off your solos when people are tuning save your individual practice for home and work together at jam i'm cabba teamwork and I got to say, the drummer was friggin' awesome. Just like spot on. And it's supposed to be three to six inches. It was 22. And man, he was rip shit. <laughs> oh, woo, 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 woo. Thanks, Kappa. That was a rousing reception. Fuck yeah, mate. Glad to have you here. Uh, this week, my sedge is on DIing tracks. I wrote a nice little blodge that goes into it. It's not a complicated process, but it can seem that way. And especially when you start writing it out, it sounds a lot more complicated than it actually is. I wrote that blodge. When we were going through the album process for Forged in Flame, we were trying to, one, get enough of our own studio equipment that we could continually be tracking throughout the next couple of our releases, uh, but still allow ourselves to send off a professional product to a mixing engineer to still get like a great sound rather than the track it and then try and mix it ourselves for the first time it might not come out so good and a major thing we did was di tracking for the guitars um we didn't really have a space where we could put an amplifier whether that be guitar or bass and crank it and mic it up you know these are tube amps they need to be driven pretty hard so we didn't want all that volume in the house and we've got an hour of music we've got a bass part for every song so that's an hour of bass anywhere from four to six guitar tracks per song so we're talking four times at one hour four in flame four hours plus an hour bass that's five hours of tracking loud instruments if we nailed every song the first time which is mm. never going to happen so what we did instead is we got ourselves a nice little high quality di we all plugged into it well cabba dicey and jim did for their tracks respectively and those guys were able to track at any time of the day or night and get a good result so what is a di a di is a little box that will convert the signal coming from your electric guitar or bass from a high z which is impedance a high impedance signal to a lower microphone impedance what does DI stand for? Stands for direct injection or direct input. Now, if you've got yourself a little demo setup, let's say a little M audio interface or an M box or something else starting line with six. M, a line six. What's your one called? Uh, Ultra something. Something X two. UX two. UX two. UMX two. Something like that, or just any low end interface. They will actually have DI inputs. The problem with these are is that you won't get as much headroom with those inputs because they're not as high quality. Headshot. Now, one of the things that interesting is when you go into a studio and you look at all this gear that you know one of your band members might be fetishizing and saying oh look at these compressors look at these eqs look at all this stuff one thing in many studios are very cheap di boxes now these things will set you back anywhere from about 100 bucks to or can go up to a thousand bucks but 
you can get very high quality world class DI sexual for about two hundred to two hundred fifty dollars. Sweet as. And it's pretty cool to know that you can get exact same piece of gear that's used in the top studios in the world to record your dry tracks. So what you want to do is get to yourself, and I've got four suggestions here. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. There are two types of DIs. One is passive, and one is active, and that's very much the same as guitars. You have passive pickups and active pickups. The active ones are the ones that require batteries. Active and passive DIs are exactly the same thing. An active DI will require batteries. It will require actual power from the wall or it will require phantom power, which is the little 48V button that you never use on your interface. Phantom power metal. If you want to use a passive guitar, you should use an active DI. If you want to use an active guitar, you want to use a passive DI. It's the opposite. Just think the opposite. I'm going to do the opposite. What that'll do basically is it will allow the signal to come through, give you greater headroom, a nice, headshot. which means a greater frequency range. So you'll get a more extended top end and low end and a more pronounced mid range. So when you reamp your tracks, which is to run it through an amplifier afterwards, you will get a fuller tone. Fuller, go easy on the Pepsi. So go out and buy yourself in the active category, a radial J48, which is about 200 to 230 $30 you on, getting paid for this? On eBay. I should be. On KeyBay. On KeyBay. Uh, or a Countryman Type 85, which is 200 to 250 Now, the thing with the Countryman is that is one that is touted by many a famous producer and engineer uh, as being a very high-quality active DI. For the passive department, look for a radial JDI, which is a nice Jensen transformer in there, as far as I'm aware. And on the cheaper end, you can get a radial Pro-DI. And that's more like 100 to 130 bucks, something like that. Now, you can use active or passive DIs with any guitar. It doesn't matter. It's just a little rule of thumb that people talk about. We actually used active guitars and basses with an active DI. And you know what? It worked out fine. After you've got that sorted out, you want to just talk to your mix engineer and just say, hey, mate, what are we recording this album at? What format? And he'll probably say 24-bit for starters. 16-bit is something that was done in the old days. Most interfaces, even lower level ones, now are 24-bit capable. That will give you more headroom and make it easier to mix and stuff later. So definitely be requesting that. If your mix engineer requests 16-bit, then maybe reconsider. And then just ask him the sample rate, which might be either 44.1K or 48K. It doesn't really matter in there. But yeah, just make sure you're on the same page as him. Then you can go about making a tempo map, recording to some program drums or something like that, getting all your tracks down nicely. Uh, if your drummer has already recorded drums for your album to scratch guitars, then obviously record to that. But what you want to do here is get the whole song down, all of the guitar parts and edit them all together. So it's just one nice, long, perfect take at the very end of the day. And that is what you will give to your mix engineer to reamp. If your mix engineer isn't stoked on the idea of reamping, what you can do is find a guy on the local scene that is pretty savvy with that sort of stuff. There are a lot of guys who are bedroom producers and guitar wonders, but, you know, don't really have studios or anything. But they do have one microphone or two microphones, some pretty sweet amps and the capabilities, and they do offer that sort of stuff. Otherwise, you can check on the internet on pages like ultimatemetal.com in the Andy Sneap forums, or even on pages like gearsluts.com, just things like that, places where people will advertise their own services. Um, it will be a small fee. It might seem like a lot, but let's say 50 bucks a track or something like that. And that's not too bad considering he's running every guitar track that you have through an amplifier that he's micro 
mic'd up specifically for you on that and taking the time to record it. So he's probably getting paid a measly wage to do it. It's just quite easy. Getting paid to Ron Weasley. Who's Ron Weasley? Harry Potter. I'm thinking... The Ranger. Ron Wheatley. You know... um, if I can just butt in here, Ash, when we Please do, recorded yeah. Triumph and Beyond yep. with uh, at Begurk Studios as well, we were uh, recording guitars. I know what you're going to ask. Mic'd up the cabs. Sounded great. Yeah. We made a boo-boo by accepting a gig mid-guitar tracking mm-hmm. and we went and played a gig, took the amp away, came back with the amp again, re-mic'd it, removed all the settings as to what they were, if I remember correctly. Do these sorts of... <laughs> do these... Do these sorts of steps solve those sorts of problems, DIs or reamps, or would you recommend do not accept gigs while you're tracking an instrument? If you've paid for studio time and you're in the middle of guitar tracking, you shouldn't. You know, you probably got the gig months before and you didn't realize you'd still be tracking guitars at that exact point. But in that instance, borrow a cab. Now, I remember that actually, and you couldn't get it right again after that, could you? Because think about it, when you move the cab and you move the microphone, you move even just the slightest EQ settings, the room positioning, everything is just slightly different. So you'll just get a slightly different tone. I wasn't happy about it. He wasn't happy. And that's that's the other thing, like, you don't need to have the same tone in every song, but in terms of brevity and keeping studio time to a lowest, if you've got a sweet tone, stick with it and get through the tracking session. Time is money to pack up and to reset up and exactly. to get the sound again. Exactly. It is a waste. Now, that is a waste. I actually forgot all about that because I played the same gig. I was in the band, but I left my drums there and used another guy's kit on that yeah. gig. I borrowed That's his right. kit. I used his kit. What is interesting about that is that Al recorded a DI track at the same time mm. as miking up. So what he did is he plugged the guitar into a DI. Yep. He took the output of the DI into the desk and then he took the throughput, which doesn't alter the signal at all, and put it into the amp. So then he mic'd up the amp but concurrently um, tracked a DI signal as well. So when we did have some problems during mixing, he said, hey, I've actually reamped uh, some of this tone just because I found that the cab tone wasn't biting enough so he either i can't remember what he ended up doing but he either blended the reamp tone with the actual original cab tone let's pretend you did it from scratch so if you walked into a studio and said hey mix my album but you've already got dr tracks then it's just a matter of spending probably a day depends how long your album is 70 minutes just getting all your tracks through that amp and getting it done but all you're doing is pressing play and record every time whereas when we were tracking that album you were having to play every single part he was editing on the fly it's like oh are you ready to play this solo now maybe it wasn't working i'll come back to that but if you did that at home in your own time it would have been done it would have been edited and he just could have pressed play and it's ramped the possibilities are endless you can you can do a lot with it and basically it saves you sitting in a studio for two days at sort of anywhere between 400 and who knows a thousand bucks a day or something like that just making sure you get the right takes you can sit at home you can sort it out you can also give it to your drummer and other band members to practice along to and they can go and track their live drums to your di tracks and everything will be all locked in nice and sweet and you know what you're dealing with so di's are very cheap they open up what you can do a hell of a lot so check them out i suggest you buy one and that's just a way of lowering the cost or the potential cost of your next studio session listen to ash is the drummer enjoying listening to cuba and ish on the podcast why don't you search in the podcast application for other things you might be interested in maybe people that may be interviewed or maybe even subjects you never know what you might find and what you might learn i'm ash otherwise known as ish 
climb the throne up on the wake. What's been on your stereo this week, mate? You'll laugh at this, Ash, I think. Is it turnstile? <laughs> Not that funny, but probably just as random. Scar Symmetry. Whoa, I didn't expect that. You heard that much before? Scar Symmetry is like Protest the Hero to me. Really? It's not Sonic yeah. Syndicate. That's a different band. No, Scar Symmetry. Of. Do you mean those Swedish guys who shred heaps but also have powerful singing? Yes. They're pretty much like a soil work wannabe. Isn't but there, there is like two vocalists. Cleaner singing? Yes. Yeah, that's what I There's mean. There's one then. dude doing all the clean. Well, I, I'm not sure if they still have two vocalists, but I know they did at a point. And there was, um, yeah, one dude doing the speed strid cleans and one dude doing the speed strid pretending to be death metal voice also similar to a non-mashuga scarf yes okay gotcha so yeah i actually get pretty annoyed at that band but the album pitch black progress which was i think maybe their first one nuclear blast which is where i heard them it's pretty good like they shred hardcore production is fucking good and there's some real catchy choruses which i do like saw work if you don't like saw work don't bother listening to this band i get a bit annoyed at them like with the the, the raspy vocals they like try and sound like they're really heavy like real death metal, trying to combine it with saw work cleans, which, I don't know, just sounds a bit try-hard to me. Whereas if they just had normal raspies, it would probably suit a bit more. But Pitch Black Progress album is pretty good. Some pretty awesome songs, and I've been smashing that in the car, and it's one of those ones where you can just drive and crank it up, and it's good fun. I think the the album after that was not that bad, not a shabby follow-up, but since then, from what I've heard, it's so bad now, like rehashed riffs that they've already used and just horrible choruses. Yeah, so that was Scar Symmetry, 2006, back in the day. Definitely would classify it as try-hard, but good fun to listen to here and there. And that's what has been on Crab's stereo throughout the week. And he's been enjoying it. Well, I've been listening to mostly Podges again. Turnstile? I only listened to one album this week once. And I didn't even get through the whole thing because I got interrupted. Jeff Buckley. Jeff Buckley? Jeff Buckley. Get Grace. out of here. Mm. Really? What made you put that on? I've got a little stack. And this is almost a tip of the week. I've moved into a new room. As you know, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Talking to me? Yeah. I moved into a new house and it's a new space for my little project studio. And I just wanted to kind of get my bearings on how things sound in there. When I was packing away my CDs, I picked out specific CDs that related to either Claim the Throne, like bands that have metal and strings sections and mm -hmm. lots of keyboards and stuff like that, or things that I think sound great. So Jeff Buckley's one of those albums, Grace, it is, that I always really loved the drums on so much. Mm -hmm. It was just in the stack in front of me of stuff I need to listen to and compare my mixes to. And yeah, I thought I haven't listened to that in a while. I'll chuck it on. And there we go. That's what I did. Yeah, right. And you had a good time? I did have a very good time. Um, Were you singing into the mirror? I was. What was I doing? Like I think the I was Home Alone scene where he's, um, he puts I'm the... I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. <laughs> I was doing boring things on the computer, installing shit and doing downloading and that kind of crap, like really tedious stuff. So it was nice to be listening to something in the meantime. And yeah, I did just take the time while it was saying 1%, 1.0334%. 1 mm. I was just going, do I really think that this album sounds good? Is this snare drum cool? Is this kick good? And I've got to say, it's a little bit sort of hollower than I remember it, but it sounds, yeah, it sounds pretty cool still. Pretty low key, pretty limp-wristed for all you metalers out there, but I don't know. Check it out if you like nice vocals and pretty cool sounding contemporary rock. <laughs>
Ash has one centimeter penis. It was supposed to be six inches. It was two mil. Climbing, Climbing the, thorn. the thorn. Question of the week. You know, you guys can leave questions for us so that I don't have to keep making up fake ones, but I'm having a good time. So um, listen to what this guy, Richard, aka Dick, had to say. He's asked us something we talked about last week, actually. Um, so, yeah, take it away, Richard. Hey, uh, it's Richard here. I uh, really like listening to you guys uh, crap on about uh, Packing for Tour last week. Uh, I was just wondering, like, what do you do when you get there? Like, when you get off the plane, do you uh, put all your stuff in a taxi or do you have to get on the train or let us know what you do? Cheers. Bye. Good question, Richard, otherwise known as Cabba. Um, pretty pertinent point that I didn't actually bring up in my sedge too much. When Claim the Throne get to town, we pack light enough so we can hopefully fit into one maxi taxi, the whole band and all our gear. Before that, even though... One special tip is get Dicey to steal your trolleys from the airport. Bring the trolleys over to the Travelators the, from Gladiator, where you run up the thing, and that's where your baggage comes out. He gets all your baggage and puts it on all these stolen trolleys so you don't have to pay for them. Then you take them out uh, to the second taxiway. half of the airport. Yeah, where the taxis are. The taxi rank. Exactly. So do we get taxis or what do we do? Uh, we we have definitely hired vans before. We have also gotten straight off a plane, get off plane, get on train, yeah. and gone into the city that way. That's also good. Often, though, and lately, we've been doing maxi taxis because, and this is a huge thing, if your accommodation is in the middle of the city because you're playing a gig in, let's say, Melbourne, and you rock up with a hire car, whole mama, where are you going to park? There is no parking in the cities these days, any major city. In regional towns, we'd hire a car because we'd actually have to drive out to that regional city, and in regional or regional towns, regional cities, you also have street parking there because it's not that busy. But when you're in a metropolis, a metropolitan city, you will need parking. So we get taxis, we get to backpackers, we get to hotels, and we just drag our gear in by hand. So that emphasizes the importance of packing light. One case and a backpack, if possible, um, two at most. And so you can just carry your own shit or maybe help one person, namely the drummer, out in your band. If I can say one thing, when you're booking accommodation, try and book places close to the venue, you dummies, because if you're drinking like every member of Climbing the Thorn is when they play a gig, it'd be sweet if you can have somewhere right next door and just walk your gear straight over. In which case, if you're in that environment, then you get a cab from the airport with all your gear. Hopefully a maxi taxi will fit your whole band and all your gear in straight to your accommodation and then when you're ready to play you just walk it over play the gidge go back uh if not if you're in the environment where you're sort of starting at the top of a country and driving all the way down through cities and neapolitan areas hire a van which we've done before as well and as long as you can fit all your gear in the one van as well as all your band members then yeah pick it up from the airport load straight in and you guys are sweet for a while but yeah i mean if, if i know on the upcoming tour we're flying between cities so we may rent a van in a few places if we're staying there for a bit long or if we're sort of driving between one city to a neapolitan area and back then we'll have a van and we'll chuck the gear in that but otherwise just get a taxi like 10 bucks per band member pretty cheap and you don't have to worry about anything just chuck the gear in get drunk 
and have fun. And it's amazing how much higher cars cost. So if you pay 10 bucks per band member, let's say 50, 60 bucks from any airport, you get someone to hire a car at the same time. You'll find that before you've even walked out the door, you've probably paid more than that in a deposit alone. So And top the fuel up when you get it back to the next airport. The fuel will cost you, even if you're doing not much driving, you're looking at at least 20 bucks. And if you're using less fuel than that, why the fucking hell did you hire a car? You know what I mean? If it's just for gear to transport, then you've bought too much gear. You should be able to fit everything. I don't know, a Commodore wagon or a or a Tarago or something like that, Tirana. like a smaller people mover. And if you can fit into that, then by rights you should be able to fit it into a maxi. Just be sensible. Don't take too much shit with you. Plan well. Depending on your situation, Richard, just do a bit of a cost add up. Get quotes for vans, and then also have a look on Goodyear for some taxi estimates of how much you'd be probably be paying and just figure out whatever's cheaper and juggle that with whatever's going to be most convenient for you guys and go with it thanks for the question we're going to listen to a song this week we are what song good question should it be by claim of throne has to be because we haven't got anyone's permission for anything else so good point except for no i wouldn't say that farthing wheel <laughs> let's play farthing wheel track this week do you reckon ash is uh, our drummer and he has a side project called farthing wheel worth listening to very funny very talented good production and he's been talking a lot about um, D's and reaps this week so probably what better week than to play a farthing wheel track what's the funniest one give me pied it's P day you're probably that it's got to be that right most likely but you you make the call bro it's P day so cheers for tuning in again we've been Climb the Thorn Ishan Kiba talking a lot of crap head to climbthethrone.net for all things blodgecast related climbthethrone.com for everything metal related and all our social medias as always get involved thanks again for tuning in subscribe leave us a nice comment so that other people will be willing to check us out we're Climb the Thorn Blodgecast 9 thanks for listening up to this point enjoy Farthing Wheel hi I was wondering if I could uh Buy some paid. I don't know about paid. You know that paid? I don't understand what is paid. Could I please buy some of that cheesy paid? You know, the one that steams cheese. Who is this? Who is this talking to me? My name's Bones. I'm down to my last few. I'm starving. I'm not going to give you peanut. Please give me some paid. <laughs>
frustrated by the ramblings of drunken Kiba and Ish, get onto claimathrone.net and find yourself the blodge where they've actually spent sober time writing out what you're supposed to be doing rather than just crapping on endlessly together when they're being friends. www.claimthethrone.net. All the blodges are there. Sober. Freedom. Joshy.